The Word of God for the people of God. Now, what a wonderful message from Jesus Christ when he says, I will lose none of them. I will lose none of them. You see, when we belong to Christ, we, can, we'll, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful that we'll be lost. Because everything that we do is dependent not upon us, but upon who he is. And so what a wonderful thing when I hear that verse, when I hear that verse saying that I will not lose anyone. It gives me so much, so much comfort to know that. You know, yesterday we celebrated Eli's sixth birthday. Eli and I, our birthdays are a couple days apart. Mine is on May 6th. His is on May 9th. And so every single year, well, I'm at a point in time in my life where I don't want to celebrate my birthday anymore. (laughs) But Eli, he still loves to celebrate his birthday. And every single year when it's around May, it's time for us to celebrate his birthday. We always, I always joke around with him and I always tell him, this is my birthday. This is my celebration. And he always says, Dad, you're making me so angry, so angry. This year I'm 42 years old. I'm 42 years old. But you know what? I still live with my parents. In the American culture, when you're 42 years old, when you live with your, and you still live with your parents, there's sometimes a negative stigma to that. You know, you kind of think, you know, this guy, he probably can't take care of himself. He's probably, he probably doesn't, you know, he probably just plays video games all day long in the basement. Or, you know, this guy, he doesn't work. He lives off of his parents. What's that? He's a millennial. <laughs> okay. I don't want to go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know what? In the mom culture, I am the ideal son. You know, with my parents living, you know, with you know, me living with my parents for, you know, Still live with my parents. I am the ideal son. I am the son that every Hmong parents want. Because we're expected to stay with our parents and live with our parents until, you know, they pass away. And so, you know, different cultures often see these things differently. But yet, you know, like I said, you know, in the Hmong culture, I would be the ideal son. My, my uncle, I had an uncle who likes to joke around a lot. And one day he came up to me and he said, you know, Chang or son, I want to ask you a question. I said, go for it. And he said, are you living with your parents or are your parents living with you? And so I thought about it a little bit. And I said, Uncle, I don't know how to answer that question because no matter how I, how I answer it, you're going to say there's something wrong with my, my answer. And so I don't know how to answer that question. But let me put it this way. The house belongs to me. Everything belongs to me. But my parents are still my parents. And so, you know, I guess if I have to say, say, if I have to give you an answer, I would say that I live with my parents. And he laughed a little bit and he said to me, you know what, the reason why I ask you this is because if you are still living with your, with your parents, then I am not happy with you. But if your parents are living with you, then I'm very happy with you. And so, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of a trick question, but um, we're talking about that. And when, when we look at this verse, when we look at this verse here in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9 to verse 12, one of the things that we see is that the, the relationship between God and the relationship between the Israelites were about to change. It was about to change. You know, because for 40 years they were living in the wilderness, 
And, you know, God, God loved them so much that God rescued them from 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And, you know, after God rescued them, God took them, you know, into the wilderness. They were not happy with God at all. They were always complaining one thing after another. A lot of, a lot of times we do the same thing with God, right? We're, a lot of times we're never happy with God. We're never satisfied with God. We're always complaining one thing after another. And the, the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, they were just complaining, saying that God, you know, in Moses, you know, you've let, you've let us here to die in the wilderness. Because when we were in Egypt, even though we had, we were slaves, we had food to eat. We had food to eat. And yet, you call this, this Moses guy, he comes, and he said he's going to rescue us. And he has rescued us, but he's taken us to the wilderness. And we're here, and there's nothing for us to eat. So Moses, what, what have Moses done? Moses have just led us to die. And so these were the complaints, these were the types of complaints that they were making before Moses. These were the types of complaints that they were making before God. And because of their complaints, God provided them manna for 40 years in the wilderness. And this manna would just appear every morning for them. Every morning it would just appear, and they would just be able to go out there and just, you know, collect all these manna. And Moses said to them, you know, you're not supposed to keep this manna overnight until morning. You're not supposed to do that. But, you know, they didn't trust God, and they, they, they didn't trust Moses, so they decided to do it anyways, right? So they decided to keep it overnight anyways. And when morning came, when they, when they go look at the manna, the manna was filled with maggots. And so finally they, they, they started trusting in God more, and God was providing them all these manna every single day, just like, you know, just like how we as parents, many times we provide for our kids, for our children. You know, my, my children, they, they would sleep until, you know, some, some of them until 11, 12 o'clock, and they'll, they'll wake up, and on the table there's food. And to them, it's like it magically appears to them, right? You know, there's food on the table. They open up the refrigerator, and there's food in the refrigerator. And they never have to worry about anything. And that's how the Israelites were like, were, were like during this time in the wilderness because they did not have to worry about anything. All this stuff was being provided to them. How wonderful it was. How wonderful it was. But yet, but yet, as they were going to enter into the promised land, things changed. Things changed. See, for 40 years, you know, even though all those years they, they were complaining against God, and the, that, that generation that came out of Egypt, because they were not trusting God, they were not believing in God, because they kept complaining about God, they did not get to enter into the promised land. Moses did not get to enter into the promised land. But a whole generation after, and they're finally now, they're finally now going to be able to finally enter into that promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. And the relationship with God was about to change. And the manna was about to stop. And they were going to start eating now from the produce of the land. I, I don't know how, I don't know how, how they feel that, at that time, but you know what? I, I, I imagine, I imagine that they, that they were probably not very happy with that. Now they have to go out there and provide the food for themselves. They had to go out there and work in order to get the food for themselves. It was not just appearing anymore. And a lot of times in our lives, we need to remember 
that a lot of times in our lives, things are going to change. Many times in our relationship with God, things are going to change. It's not going to always be the same thing all the time. And there always comes a point in time in our lives in which the manna is going to stop. And the things that we want so much, the things that God has provided to us, provided for us, for so long it's going to stop. How are we going to respond to God at that time? Many times when change comes, many times when those things that stops, a lot of times we get angry with God. A lot of times we become upset with God. A lot of times we complain to God. And yet we see, we see the reason for these changes. And we see that the reason for these changes is because God lets things change because he's, he wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And so his whole purpose of changing these things is to ensure that we are maturing, to ensure that we are growing. As they are now entering into the promised land, they are now possessing the promise in which God has had promised to them and their ancestors. And so they needed to mature. Just like our children nowadays, you know, now around this time, many of our children who are finishing high school, man, many of them are so happy. They're so grateful that now they're finally done with high school. They can go off to college and they can finally go live by themselves and they don't need to put up with their parents anymore, right? You know? They look forward to that. They look so much forward to that, to just live by themselves. My daughter, she, you know, after she got married, she moved down to, to uh, uh, Santa Barbara, and my son-in-law, they, you know, attending uh, UC Santa Barbara down there, and they were so excited about that at first. And they, they, they moved down there, stayed down there for, you know, a couple months, and they call us back, and they say, you know what? But mom and dad, we, we don't have a couch. We don't have a couch. What are we going to do now? You know, once you start living by yourself, once... Once you start maturing, there are certain responsibilities that you have to take upon. That you have to take upon. And your parents will not be providing these things for you anymore. And that's the same relationship that they were having with, with uh, God. The Israelites were having with God. Is that they were, you know, God was leading them now into the promised land. And so God was not going to provide for them anymore. But they were going to have to start providing for themselves. And God's whole purpose is to mature them, was to bring them out of being a child in the faith into becoming a maturing Christian. In the Word of God in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says this. It says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. See, that is what God wants for us. God doesn't want us to just focus on the elementary of Christ for years and years and years without ever growing. But God wants us to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and start studying his word more, much more deeper so that we can mature, so that we can grow. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, the verse 14, it says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So you see, if we are still, if we are still drinking milk, the Bible compares us to, to a child. And it says that we are not, if we're still drinking milk, then we are unskilled in knowing the truth. 
and knowing right from wrong and knowing what righteousness is all about and knowing who God is. But then solid food is for those who are mature. And those who are mature, now they have the ability, the powers to be able to discern now. To discern right from wrong. And they're able to put these things into practice also. Not just sit around and learn about ideas and things like that. But they're actually now able to put it into practice in their own lives. And that's one of the things we have to understand as Christians is that we're not simply here to just read the Word of God. We're not simply here to just study it for years and years and never doing anything with it. But the goal, the goal is always for us to be able to take the things that we learn from God through the study of His Scriptures and put that into practice. Put that into practice. Being able to apply that into our own personal lives. That is a sign of maturity. That is what God is trying to lead us towards, is he's trying to lead us towards that maturity. He doesn't want to leave us stagnant. He doesn't want to leave us as a, as a child not growing. You know, if you, if you see a child and that child is not growing, that child is not healthy, right? A child that is not growing is not healthy. And a lot of times in our own spiritual lives, we're not growing. Many times in our, our own personal lives, we remain being a child and we never grow. We don't grow. It goes to show that our spiritual life many times is unhealthy. It's unhealthy. So we need to understand what God's goal is for us. That Many times things change. He changes things around for the purpose of maturing us. And so this is what we need to work towards. This is what we need. Many times we may not like the change. Many times we may, we may be against this change. But we, we must always remember that it's always meant it's always meant to bring us to the next level of maturity. As a church, as a person, you know, in, in your own personal life, as a Christian, it's always meant for that, is to mature you. That's what God wants. You know, in the Hmong ministry, I often talk to them about, in the past, how they used to always depend on money from the conference for everything that they do. In the last few years, the conference has said, you know, we don't have any money anymore. You're going to have to provide for yourself. You're going to have to be able to support yourself. A lot of the older pastors feel that now, now maybe the conference is abandoning the Hmong ministry, but I always remind them that no, God, God is trying to lead us to the next level. God is trying to mature us. And so let's not get angry at God. Let's not get angry at the conference leaders, but let's remember what God's goal is. And his goal is always to mature us. His goal is always to take us to the next level. When we are a child, we, we live with our parents. They provide everything for us. You know, everything, you know, all the food, you know, all the bills they pay for us, you know, all the cable, you know, the cable TV that we watch, direct TV that we watch, our phone bills, our cell phone bills. And I think we're paying like $300 a month, you know, in our own family just for cell phone bills and things like that. It's very expensive, but yet we pay it for our kids. And even Eli, being six years old, he came to us and he says, I want an iPhone 10. I said, what the heck is an iPhone 10? I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't even know that they had an iPhone 10. But a lot of times when, when the children are still living with you, you provide for them. But as they get older and as they mature, we need to teach them to be able to provide for themselves. And that's what God is doing here, is allowing them, allowing the Israelites to be able to provide for themselves. Another thing I want us to understand is this. That these changes 
that these changes that God provides for us, it always comes with a new beginning. Here in Joshua chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. What God is talking about here, what the Lord is talking about here, is that all the shame that you had, all the shame that you had in Egypt, when you were being oppressed, when you were being slaves to the Egyptians, when people were just, you know, forcing you against your own will to do all these things, all that shame that you once had, I am not taking it away from you. You don't have to be, you don't have to be ashamed of it anymore. I am not taking all of that away from you, and I am going to give you a new, new beginning. That's what God wants us to understand. A lot of times we're, we're stubborn people. We are very stubborn people. The Bible also often calls us stiff-necked people, talking about us just being stubborn. And when God changes us, we don't want to change. But I, we, I want us to understand that when God, when change comes, when God brings change to us, he's bringing us a new beginning. A new beginning. That all the sins of the past, all the shame of the past can be laid aside. It no longer is who we are. We must not let those things define us any longer. We're not defined by the things of the past. But we must be defined by our walk with Christ. And our journey in the faith with Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And this change, this change here does not mean that we are to forget about everything that happened to us in the past. That's not the point. But this change here, a new beginning here, is to help us, to allow us to grow from that past. To grow from that past and to be humble that, by that past and to know that the sins and the shames of the past no longer condemns us, but that it is, it is simply there to remind us that the only way for us to move forward in life is through God's amazing grace. And this is the grace that God provided them, to provide them a new beginning in their own life. We've all done many things in the past that we all regret, and yet that is not what defines who we are. What defines who we are is our walk with Jesus Christ today. But with all the changes that are going on, there's one thing that never changes. I want us to be aware of that too, that there's one thing that never changes. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. You see, the reason why we need to change, the reason why God needs to change us, is because he wants to make us more and more like him. But the reason why God does not, God does not change is because he is already the truth. He is already the, the objective truth. And so in God, there is no need for change. In us, there is the need for change as we move closer and closer to being like the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ never changes. He is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. Forever. He goes on to talk about being the bread of life, that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15. Jesus Christ talks about him returning to the Father. 
And he says in this verse, he says, Very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. I have much more to say to you, Jesus Christ says, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what it is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is for me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. And so even though today Jesus Christ is no longer here with us physically, he has provided the Holy Spirit to be with us. And the message of the Holy Spirit is no different from the message of Jesus Christ. That message has not changed. It has not changed. But the things that, things that need to change is us. And that's why God continues to work to change us. And when God works to change us, let us always remember that there is a purpose in that. And that purpose is to mature us, to keep us growing in the faith. And also, and also, that purpose, that purpose in which God works to change us, that purpose is to bring us closer, closer to the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much, Father. Many times there's many changes that goes on in our, in our own lives, and many times we are afraid of these changes. And yet today, let us be reminded that these changes is for the good always to mature us and to bring us closer to you, to give us a brand new beginning in our lives, Father, so that all the shame, all the sins of the past are no longer there. But we have a new beginning in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we pray. Amen.